there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or 10 minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career triple shot K-Cup with my guest, Tim Naftali. Tim, we are doing this interview, just want to do a, an audible timestamp here, on June 30th, the very last day of Pride Month here in the United States. And as a proud gay man, I think our LGBTQ listeners, those who are interested in the field of history, the field of national security would benefit tremendously from hearing your perspective on just how welcoming and inclusive and accessible and safe the national security, the presidential historical community, the federal government, frankly, is for LGBTQ plus professionals. Well, I, I have to start by saying to the audience that there's a little piece of background that might be helpful to know. I didn't come out until I was 40. And everyone has a different, those of us who are gay or part of the LGBTQ community, we have, everyone has a different story. But I, I had just come out and I was very proud of it. My mom knew, I mean, I really came out and I guess I was making up for some lost time. And then I get this opportunity to run the Nixon Library. And the archivist of the United States at the time, Alan Weinstein, I, I knew him. And, and he knew I was gay because he had tried to fix me up with a woman. And I told him, I'm, thank you very much, but I'm not interested. And he, he asked me to be the, you know, the director of the library. And I said to him, I said, Alan, I mean, you know I'm gay. I'm not going to go back into the closet for any job. Now, I felt that there was, of course, nothing wrong with being out and being a library director. Nevertheless, this was a major job because the Nixon collection is a superb collection. And the Nixonians can be really tough. And I didn't mind that. But I just wanted to be sure. I wanted, you know, I said, Alan, I'm going to be out in Los Angeles. I'm just, that's, I'm going to live my life. I'm letting you know that. And if that doesn't somehow threaten the goal that we share for this library, great. And just tell me if you think it does. I wasn't apologizing for being gay, but I, mm-hmm. I wanted, and I didn't want permission to be gay because I, I just wasn't going to take the job. And he was great. Not only that, we talked about how the library eventually needed an exhibit about Stonewall. And then I talked to the Nixonians and I did not have this kind of conversation with them. And they were interested in having me take the job because I was noted as an independent person. And I had worked with the Nixon tapes as a scholar at the Miller Center. And in the case of the Nixonians, they asked me if my, whether I'd be bringing my wife with me. And I said, no, but my mother will be visiting. (laughs) (laughs) 
And uh, I never, because I had reached a stage in my career that was, where it was quite secure, I never felt threatened, but I did feel I had an opportunity to, to lay a marker down for uh, members of my community that are more threatened and were in, more vulnerable than me. There were actually some of the, the volunteers that we had acquired, they had worked for the Nixonians, and then they stayed with the library when we when we took it over. We, the federal government, we, you, took it over. And a number of them would complain, and they used the F word about me, but people would come to the library, and then they would take them on a tour, and then say, can you believe the federal government put this F in the job? And some of these people were really traumatized by it, and they came and they complained. They said, do you know that you've got people there <laughs> complaining about your director? And that's, unfortunately, it's that part of Southern California, Orange County. I worked with, I worked with the National Archives. The National Archives was very supportive. And those members of the volunteer group were asked to leave. The National Archives had, uh, and still has, of course, and now it's the law of the land, uh, wonderful regulations against hate speech and included in hate speech homophobic slurs. So I, I was very much backed up by the National Archives. I wanted to tell one story. I was honored in 2009 to be asked to give the keynote address on July the 4th, which for a new American is especially exciting. I'd become an American only a, a decade less than it. What am I saying? Much less than a decade before. I was asked to give the speech at the archives outside, so close to the Charters of Freedom. And they asked me, you can ask, you know, to give any kind of Independence Day speech you want to give. And I wanted to talk about our evolving constitution. I'm not a constitutional lawyer, but I've studied enough of our history. And I wanted to talk about how every generation or so we expand our definition of freedom and liberty. Because I do not believe, I don't share this concept of original intent. I mean, having, I know enough about the founders' debates to know they didn't agree. So the idea of an original intent, I mean, what are you talking about? It depends if you're talking about Madison or Hamilton. Anyway, and definitions evolve. So I wanted to give a speech totally nonpartisan because the blessings of liberty have come from both parties, different eras. And I wanted to include, and that actually makes me a little bit emotional, I wanted to include the fact that here I was, a gay man with uh, security clearances, because you have to have them to be the director of a modern presidential library. And up to uh, 1995, you could be denied security clearances for being gay. And up to 1980, I couldn't have emigrated to the United States as an out gay man. Really? Yes. So... I wanted to talk about the, and, and I'm not, of course, obviously, I was talking about the struggle for freedom for African Americans, the struggle for women's suffrage, the struggle for people with physical challenges, you know, the EDA, and tell the story of the evolution of the definition of liberty, and that it is an ongoing struggle. I think of it as the, the realities of 1619 and the power dynamics, slavery, all of those things that emerged from 1619 with the Enlightenment. These enlightenment ideas that maybe the founders didn't fully embrace because they didn't think of African-Americans as worthy of liberty, but their ideas were stronger than them. And it's the struggle in, throughout our history. And the outcome is what Martin Luther King and then President Obama, quoting Martin Luther King, have said about bending towards the importance towards justice. But, so I wanted to talk about that. And then there was the issue of should I talk about my being gay? And initially, the National Archives sent me back my draft, because you have to share your draft. 
And they said, please don't mention your, you know, your sexual orientation. And I said, well, I, I'm sorry, but that's what I want to do. I want to talk about the definition of liberty. And that's really important. And then they said to me, yeah, I know, but we're going to have a Republican and we're going to have, you know, because they invited members of Congress and they didn't want it to be too controversial. And, and I said, well, I don't know if I can give this speech. And I had also, I mean, I had talked about same-sex marriage as being the ultimate blessing. Liberty. Yeah. And of course, in 2009, I was a little early that, you know, in 2009, I had a bigger problem because the commander in chief was not pro same sex marriage publicly. His name was Barack Obama. So, you know, the National Archive says, yeah, but the president himself is not in favor of same sex marriage. So I said, all right, here's what I'll do. I'm going to talk about being gay and having emigrated here and having access and being able to have a security clearance. And I will not argue that same-sex marriage will happen as I did before. And so I gave the speech and I talked about the wonders of being gay and in the federal government. And at the end of the speech, I've forgotten who his name was, it was the Democrat congressman, he shook my hand. And I'm afraid to say that the Republican senator from Ohio wouldn't even look at me. Really? I just walked away. But my point is, that there were, I, I can't possibly, no, I was in such a good position of power, I couldn't possibly know the pain that my predecessors had gone through. Even in my position, again, I don't, I wasn't humiliated, I didn't lose my job, I didn't, but I could just, it gave me such a taste, a sense, an empathy that I talk about as being important for a historian, of what it must have been like for people far more vulnerable than me in an earlier period. And this is 2009. In any case, that was my experience. And in academia, I've, I've not, not faced any, lately, not faced any challenges at all because of my sexual orientation. So how would you describe the field writ large for LGBTQ historians and what our young listeners might expect if they decide to work for an archive or a museum or the federal government? Well, fortunately, the Supreme Court has assured us of rights in the workplace. But even more, but even before these Supreme Court decision, I think in academia, we're okay, we're doing fine. And for the transgender members of our community, the Supreme Court decision is really important. I'm not saying that they would be better positioned to describe the discrimination that's in academia. But I know at least rhetorically, academia is, is a, welcome, a welcoming place. When we talk about LGBTQ historians, there are historians of LGBTQ issues, and I see this as a wonderful time for them. I think finally that dimension of the American past and of of international history is getting more and more attention. And so for members of the community that want to write about our history, this is a very, a very good time. History departments need that dimension. Some of them already have uh, colleagues who teach that history. I, I am gay, but I, for the most part, do not write gay history, although I'm, I'm fascinated by it. And, and I think at some point I'll write something about gays in the intelligence community. But I, there are members of the community who write about the community. There are people who are, who are allies who write about the community, too. So I think when we talk about LGBTQ historians, 
this is a great time and an important time to be studying our history. And for those of us who are gay and write about other elements of history, I think it's academia is, is welcoming, uh, welcoming towards you for being you. There still is the problem of a lack of jobs. That's a problem that every, everyone faces. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.